Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. My guest today is Suzanne Taylor King. She is a life and business coach and has been for a very long time, since 2009. And she has um, a 35-year career, really, of ex of um, entrepreneurial experience. Um, I would call her a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if she will, but um, <laughs> she's been in this racket for a long time. Her first business, which I'm going to get her to tell you about, was quite an interesting uh, and successful venture. And she has her own approach to helping entrepreneurs. And it seems real from what I've from what I have experienced with her already, I can tell she is very passionate about um, helping entrepreneurs be successful. So first of all, welcome to the show, Suzanne. Oh, thank you so much, Janice. Great to be here. You're very welcome. So I'd like you to share your story about your first uh, entrepreneurial venture, because I think it comes best from you. Oh my gosh. Well, I was 22 years old, had no idea what I was doing. Um, and my boyfriend at the time uh, had an idea of bringing California surf, skateboard, and snowboard products to the East Coast. And we started a retail store with $3,000. And it was in the basement of another store with no sign and no phone. Ugh. So word of mouth traveled very quickly that we had some underground, and it really was underground, um, underground uh, apparel, shoes, you know, just really cool stuff. And by the end of the first week, we had done $5,000 in sales. Nice. We had nothing left <laughs> and needed to rebuy everything. And... It was in that moment when I thought, and remember, this was before social media. There was no advertising, no promotion whatsoever. And I fully realized the power of people talking about you in rooms you're not in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ultimately, I got divorced and walked away from a very successful franchised business, but my own safety, sanity, happiness was more important to me than money, um, even back then. So, but the lessons that I learned, you know, really stem from getting to know your ideal client so well that they feel like they're friends with you. And that feeling of, gosh, she really just understands me. She gets me. I've brought that forward into my first coaching practice where I was a health coach. And it turned out that I was helping many entrepreneurs with their health, wellness, fitness. And 
it turned into giving some business advice just based on my experience. Mm -hmm. And over the next couple of years, I fully transitioned into being a life and business coach for entrepreneurs. And it's been incredible. Well, I've met you, I think twice now and, and had one sort of um, Mm -hmm. extended conversation with you. And I can tell right away how easy you are to talk to and how easy it is to get to feel like your friends already. Yeah. That, that is fantastic. I hope that I kind of have a little bit of that same, um, you do sense because, and that's maybe why my, why we, you know, connected quite quickly. I just knew when I first saw you at a networking event online that I wanted to talk to you, it took us a while, but Mm -hmm. I know now why, because you do have that sense, that sense of warmness and caring that Mm -hmm. I'm sure that your, that your uh, clients um, experience. So, so thank you for that. A couple of things. One, you talked about athletics. I know you were an athlete, Mm -hmm. were you a professional athlete or were you a Well, uh, in high school, I was a, uh, state ranked swimmer, um, in right after college, I started snowboarding and started competing, but I was 24 at that point when I was competing. So that was considered pretty old for the competition level, but I was sponsored. So I did get free swag and free snowboards and free clothing from a couple different companies and went to numerous trade shows and made appearances to, you know, sell products. Superstar. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And I, I remember the first time I went to, which wasn't that long ago, I went to actually a ski shop Mm -hmm. with my son to, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get new boots and a new snowboard. And the snowboard was like $1,200 or something. And I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) And my son said, what are you, what are you thinking? I said, I don't know. I've never bought one. (sighs) And he said, you've never bought one. I said, no, I used to get all my stuff for free because people wanted to see me on their stuff. How did he react to that? It was, well, he didn't think I was any cooler. So (laughs) Uh, that's amazing. Did you ever, by the way, you were probably in the, you were in the East coast, right? You're out of Mm -hmm. New York. Yeah. Um, Did you ever come to Whistler to ski at all? Yes, I did. Did you? Okay. Yes. Yes. I actually did hella skiing there and was terrified, uh, but I did it. And, um, I think it was $75 for one trip in the helicopter up to the top. And for some reason, I thought the helicopter was going to land at the Ah, top. ah, Yes. Didn't know they don't land. They hover and you jump out. Yeah. I know I have friends who've done that. I'm I'm not a skier or a snowboarder. (laughs) I did ski at Whistler in my youth, but (laughs) I fell in love with a basketball coach and player. And so I was always yeah. in the gym in the winter after my, my, um, last boyfriend had taken me, uh, skiing up at Whistler and had, when I had to carry my own skis, that was enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, I was not the athlete. I, he called me a uh, city mouse most of the time, but anyway, oh, that's cute. I, I did it and I didn't learn to ski as a kid. So it, it's harder when you're an adult. Yeah, I didn't either. I grew up surfing. Um, so skiing was very difficult for me the couple times I tried and I gave up 
and then trying snowboarding, you know, at about 22 because of a boy. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And it was the same movement at surfing. You just had to dress much warmer. Yeah. Um, so I would think that, and I didn't plan on this, but, uh, but it's interesting to me because I have a daughter who was, um, a, a very good athlete is, was a very good athlete. And, um, she played team sports, um, basketball, volleyball, softball, but she learned a lot from that mm. time. And I'm sure that you did too, in terms of what that, what did that bring for you to business and that you maybe share with your clients these days? Well, I think it was a combination. Uh, so my dad was in the army uh, uh, before I was born and he was an athlete as well. Mm-hmm. And my first takeaway from him being an athlete was me wanting to cycle with him. And he he was about 45 at the time I started showing interest in cycling. And he was cycling with a group of guys who were between 25 and 35, 40. So he was older than all of them. And he pride, he he just had so much pride in himself about being able to function at their level or, or beyond sometimes. And I, so I took, that was my number one takeaway was always play with a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, surround yourself with great people and great things happen. And that applies to business mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm, for and sure. then um, I, I think with snowboarding, since it was very independent, but yet you, it was very dependent on my own, men, the place I was at mentally. So if I was having a good day, if I felt strong, if I felt capable there was nothing I couldn't accomplish. The minute I had self-doubt in, say, jumping off the lift mm-hmm. without my back foot strapped in, mm-hmm. jumping out of that helicopter in yeah. Whistler. And when you jump out of that helicopter, you it's not jumping to static. You're jumping to steep downhill immediately. It, it really showed me the power of your mindset and your outlook and, you know, where you focus your attention Mm -hmm. is where your business will go. And my clients definitely benefit from that background with me. That's makes so much sense. Actually, it really does. Um, so what would you say, I'm going to skip now to entrepreneurship and, uh, What would you say? I I think I read somewhere that, you know, it's one of the things that you talk about is to grow your authority. So what's Mm -hmm. the best way for an entrepreneur to start to grow their authority? Mm, Pick one thing, um, one platform Mm -hmm. and one offer and one ideal client. I see so many spreading themselves so thin, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and trying to do all of those platforms. And it's absolutely impossible to do all of those platforms and do them all well until you have delegation capabilities. Um, So I always say, start with one platform and you pick the platform based on your ideal client. And that's part of the work, you know, I do with my clients is really deciding where's that best place for me to find 
my ideal client. And once you're making the income that you want from say your Facebook group and your Facebook following, then you can move on to another platform with maybe another offer or maybe the same offer, depending. But keep it simple. And- yes. Yeah. And, and hone it as you go to make it, to make it. Yeah. And I, I actually, I've added four or five things in the last hmm, maybe six, seven years. And I just decided today, I don't, I don't like it. Mm. I, I, I don't like having this offer, that offer, even, even though they're, they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to having that one thing, that one offer or that one community and your clients naturally come from that. It sounds so simple, but it it actually it's simpler than we allow it to be a lot of times because unfortunately in the online space, you're going to hear so many messages like, you need a podcast, you need a YouTube channel, you need a Facebook group, you need this, you need that. And it's because they're trying to sell you something. Uh, they're trying to sell you on what they do for their clients, which I get it. I get it. But you kind of have to have blinders on. Yeah, and it's really hard to, and I'm, I'm very yes. guilty of that. Um, I have different parts of my business. And it's frustrating me sometimes because it's too much and Mm -hmm. I need to streamline. And I always feel that. Yeah. Live and learn anyway. um, So we'll talk. Okay. Uh, Now uh, you've had your, Oh, well, just to that point, um, your ideal client. I've always fought that. I've always fought it uh, because the minute I say, this is my ideal client, my Mm -hmm. clients that I, that come to me are completely different. Mm. So, um, when you say that it doesn't, does it have to be that one persona? Oh, well, here's, here's what happened for me. I, I like you, I was very resistant to the niche or the ideal client work. I did it a couple of times, but eh, I didn't really stick to it. I would just say anybody and everybody, whatever. And about two years ago, my mentor said to me, um, take a look at who you're currently working with one-on-one. And instead of defining them like, oh, entrepreneur and they're a coach or they, they own a bookstore, look at their psychographics instead of demographics. Mm. And I was like, hmm, all right. So I made a list of my five one-on-one clients and they were all men. Mm-hmm. They were all over 50. Mm -hmm. They all had previous athletic or military experience. They were all spiritual. And two of them were very Christian church going and involved with their church community. Mm -hmm. Then they all had a biz, their, their business problems or pain points Mm -hmm. were doing too many things needed to streamline, or they didn't have a clear defined offer and a roadmap for their clients to visually see and touch and experience. Wow. Okay. 
And then the, the thing that was really incredible, they were all introduced to me by referrals. Mm-hmm. And I thought, dear Lord, what am I doing spending all of that time creating content for social media when the five high-end people I'm working with were all from referrals Mm -hmm. and I don't even try to get referrals. What if I just try and ask for more of that, please? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it was a huge turning point for me. If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably know that I love to talk about LinkedIn. So now I'm curious, are you ready to take your LinkedIn to the next level? Because if you are, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. As a valued podcast listener, I'm offering you a one month free trial to the LinkedIn Advantage program. It's your chance to join the community of like-minded professionals and immerse yourself in a space designed for learning, networking, and growing your business and a lot of LinkedIn as well. Don't miss out. If you're ready to go from listener to participant, take advantage of this free trial by visiting podcastadvantage.janisporter.com today. That's podcastadvantage.janisporter.com. Join us and we'll see you in the group. Oh, I can understand that. Totally. I mean, um, referrals are usually um, the best kind of clients because it's not a cold call, even though it is right. I mean, it's yeah. not because they trust the person that, that sent them to you. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, that's what really what I meant when I said that I, I think I want to work with, or that I attract, you know, um, women, mid-age, you know, coaches, consultants. And then I look and I've got six men that are all financial planners and that's happened to me a lot. So yeah, it's very interesting. So, um, so that's a really good point. And I have to, have to point this out because I heard you say it on your video and you just said it now. And I'm like, Oh, God bless you. Uh Um, The word niche. Most Americans say niche. Mm -hmm. How do you get it right? I love that because I don't know. How do I get it right? It is a French word and it is niche. It is a French word. And I think niche reminds me of itch, which <laughs> also reminds me of knit. And that's what um, oh. headlights are called. So I stay away from that. <laughs> that's so good. Even yeah. if it's not true, I love it anyway. That's great. So, um, so you talk about, um, one of the focuses for your clients as you're working with them is to have them. Um, I think I'm sure you do this with them. You bring out their, their unique, Mm -hmm. um, their uniqueness and their um, special uh, sauce that will help them grow and flourish as an entrepreneur. How do you do that? Uh, well, uh, I, a couple different things. So, uh, I learned a process of extracting intellectual property and that was, well, it was a combination of, uh, unique ability from strategic coach. And then part from, uh, your not to do list 
and your unique genius from Tony Robbins, and then part uh, assessments. So mm -hmm. the assessments I typically have somebody take are Clifton Strengths, um, mm -hmm. a positive psychology uh, strengths assessment, which is your personality strengths, and then a saboteur assessment, which is from a emotional intelligence program by Charzad Charmaine, mm -hmm. another French person. Um, and the combination of your personality, um, your strengths mentally, emotionally, and then if you're going to self-sabotage, how is that going to look? Mm. So those three things in wow. combination typically show me and then a timeline of your life. Mm. The timeline of your life looks like your talent stack. So education, degrees, certifications, um, but also your social emotional journey. And looking at all of that from a big overhead view, a couple things are going to pop out. For me, when I did this for myself, I noticed that Every time I had financial upswing, I got less creative. Financial downswing, more creative. Um, whenever I was not challenged in my life, I was bored. Hmm. Okay, so always be challenging myself. Right. became a rule. And I notice when I do it with clients that typically they see it. It's not me seeing it or finding it for them. Hmm. It's I'm giving them the tools and the information. And then they're looking at it and saying, wow, I can't believe I didn't see that I've been sick, you know, six or seven times in my life with major illnesses. And I healed myself every single one of those times. And what I'm doing with my clients is holistic healing. Hmm. <laughs> you, you, you didn't put that together, yeah. but yeah. they don't because yeah. it's hard to see it. Yeah. For when, yeah. When you're in the, can't see the forest for the trees, right? Yes. Yes. And then that, that saboteur, um, that kind of lets me know that helps me advance my coaching with someone faster. So I've noticed when I have somebody take that, I can tell how they're going to show up during and in a coaching relationship. And if they're going to self-sabotage the work that we're doing, I know exactly how it's going to show up and I can do that quicker. And that's that kind of helps me build rapport with mm -hmm. my client mm -hmm. faster. So if I know somebody is a procrastinator mm -hmm. and they show up week two without week one's stuff done, I immediately know it's because they're a procrastinator. Don't believe any of those excuses. Let's tackle the procrastination first so we can move forward. So what kind of businesses today are people starting or, or in that you work with? Does it vary completely across the charts or? Um, I, I'd say my favorites are ones that are responsible for getting their own people, meaning uh, real estate agents, coaches, mm -hmm. consultants. Um, so service, I, service. Yeah. Service-based, uh, yeah. even, even a financial advisor, mm -hmm. uh, um, 
who works for a company and he's kind of tied into the company's marketing, they can't do their own marketing because of compliance. I help them kind of figure out who they are so that when they go out there and network, they stand out. They don't lead with, hi, I'm a financial advisor for Jenny Montgomery Scott. Well, yeah, you and 10,000 other people. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, So that actually makes me ask a question. I know that when I first saw you on screen, it was Mm -hmm. at an online networking group that I'd been invited to by Michael Goldberg, who'd been on my podcast. I don't Uh even know now how I met him. I was, I think it was a a referral from someone else who had been on my Uh podcast because you guys are all back East. And so I I don't have that. Right. So, um, he was great. And, uh, people were speaking highly of you and, and then it kind of took a while, but what I was going to say is, did you um, go back to in-person networking with a flourish? Like, did you want to do that? I haven't gone Um, back. So it's, yeah, I, um, I always did in person Mm -hmm. uh, from the time I started my health coaching practice in 2009 Uh, And because I had a decent size local network, when I came into the online space, I immediately had people to connect with, Mm -hmm. you know, I just took those in person and brought them online. Sure. Um, During COVID, I definitely leaned into more networking groups. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as part of Michael's group for years, I actually led the the Philadelphia chapter of the networking group. Then from that, I met a Texas group from that. I met a couple groups in California. I've spoken to a lot of really large national groups at their national convention. So I would get like, you know, 300 members from all over the country in one room and get to speak to them virtually, of course, during COVID. And I was like, wow, this could really, um, this could really do well. I don't have to leave my house. I, I can wear sweatpants and slippers yeah. and yeah. I love that. Um, and I have my own in-person group that we meet for lunch once a quarter. Okay. And it's a pretty small group of about 10 or 12. And our, the core members, there's six of us and we, commit to bringing somebody new to the group every quarter one person yeah bring one new person who's awesome and i've tried the chamber of commerce and all of those local groups and at this point i don't really need to do that anymore yeah but i do kind of keep keep my toe in sure sure um i just find and i wonder if you find this too that when i'm um, talking to, and usually in a networking situation, newer entrepreneurs, they, they, they keep saying like, they say things like, well, I go to two or three networking groups a week and I'm like, and I know, uh, is your target audience there? You Mm -hmm. know, like, are these your people? Because if they're not, to my mind, it's almost sometimes a waste of time. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, so I wonder about that with people today. And I do most of my networking 
on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. that's why I always find it interesting when people say, I have to be out networking. I have to be out networking. No. Well, I, I think I, I use this measure. Um, so I, I had an in-person event. We meet for lunch um, at the local country club. It's, it's run by a financial advisor friend mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's every two, two months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, this month there was eight people there mm-hmm. and I came home with three business cards. They're still sitting right here on my desk, mm-hmm. three cards from new people that I had not met before. And I waited, they're sitting right here. Mm-hmm. Let's see who reaches out to me. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, when I go to an in-person event, no one follows up. I know. It's huge. I don't understand why you're there. Is it just for lunch? Like, or are you, if you're not actively looking for me to introduce you to people or refer business to you, why are you there? Mm Mm-hmm. So how to deal with that though. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They really don't. Well, then what, what, then you got to figure that out. And I have somebody to refer you to for that as well. Um, I went through an eight week program and took my networking skills, not even network, network building skills Mm -hmm. to the next level. Mm -hmm. So that means I went to a chamber of commerce meeting a couple months ago. There's 300 people in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm not following up with 300 people, yeah. but the 10 people that were sitting at my table, mm-hmm. I introduced myself to, I told them what I do. I'm a coach for business owners and entrepreneurs who want to extract their intellectual property and turn it into a product or a service or a revenue stream. Very concise, very specific. Mm-hmm. And two of the people were like, oh, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, of course you do, because I described it in a way that's for the people in the room. Yeah. That's a skill. Yes. And so 10 business cards, I followed up with the two people who asked me to. Mm-hmm. The other ones, I just sat back and waited. Hmm. Nothing. And you do that because you don't need that business necessarily, but you're just. Yeah. 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 Well, only because you want to work with people who want to work with you. Yes. And for years, I would be the madman after an event. I'd have a stack of 40 cards and I'd be like, (laughs) connecting with them on LinkedIn, emailing them, following up, making phone calls. None of it ever led anywhere Mm -hmm. because the person on the other end didn't know what to do with it. I know. So it's almost better to, um, be the attractor of people. Yeah. Now you're seeing my secrets here. Be the attractor of people. Be, yeah. be be the person that people want to hang out with. And then connecting becomes easier. And plus you're doing it with people who appreciate and reciprocate. Well, I used to teach networking to um, new entrepreneurs mm-hmm. at a local college. And, mm-hmm. and I always remember, and then we, then I I did some networking sort of role-playing and so on with them too. But mm-hmm. I remember um, 
I remember saying, uh, them saying like, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to, oh, you know, it was important that I had a beautiful, shiny business card and I hand it out to everybody. No, I never, that's not what it's about. But I used to teach that it, you, you go to a networking event, like a chamber event, and you want to talk to, you know, three to five people in the room. You want to talk to the organizer. You want to talk to the person who, um, uh, who checks everybody in because they know everybody usually. You want to talk to the speaker and you want to talk to two, what I call hubs, the people that are the, attracting everybody, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that you get a sense of the room from, from that. And if you're new, you want that's really your goal is to connect yeah. with maybe five people, but the ones who know what they're doing because they are usually those people. So I don't know. It's just really interesting, but you people go very, I remember going once with a a friend of mine who um, was part of a women's group. I, and she didn't like networking and she went and got these beautiful brochures and things. She was an interior designer. I think she was. Mm -hmm. And um, she came to the event and all, she couldn't talk. She was handing out stuff that was going garbage and know how to talk to people. She was too nervous. So it's really hard for some people, you know, I, I feel really lucky because, uh, I was a dental hygienist for 20 years, which you talked to people who couldn't answer you. Yeah. Which was (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Right. Um, plus I got used to, you know, making people feel comfortable who were nervous or didn't want to be there and kind of learned how to talk to a wide variety of people and get other people talking about themselves. Yeah. Key. Uh, And the last event I went to, I'll tell you, I met one person. And again, room full of a hundred people and in walks this guy who was wearing a bright blue, like really bright blue suit with a purple shirt and a blue tie. Like he just stood out. He was not in business attire. This suit was very, very nice and very well cut. And and I, I saw him walk in and I was like, I don't know who he is or what he does, but I'm going to go talk to him. Yeah. And I walked up and I said, noticed you when you walked in, (laughs) he had a very distinctive look and I wanted to just say hello and introduce myself. Turns out he's a personal stylist for men and makes custom clothing for men and 90% of those men are business owners or executives that would be ideal clients for me. Yes, of course. And because of how I walked up to him, like, hmm, I don't know who you are, but you look like somebody I should know in this room. And he looked at me like, best opening line ever. And I said, (laughs) thanks so much. I'm Suzanne. (laughs) It was great. Yeah, that's awesome. 
You know, I think I, being fearless helps a little bit. Absolutely. Too. I, when I was little, I used to go out with my mom all the time. And my mom was the perfect example for me. She would make friends with the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Not only mm-hmm. did they all love her when she came in the store, mm-hmm. but send postcards to them when she was on vacation. My mom loved people and dogs. Yeah. She loved yeah. people. And I learned, I swear, I it's I learned it in the womb because she yeah. was like that. And uh, and it's it's always been easy for me to talk to people and get them talking about themselves, which is the yeah. key, of course. Yeah. Okay, this has been delightful and so much fun. I could do it uh, um, for a lot longer, but we must wrap up. So I'm going to ask you a couple last questions. Sure. The first one is one of my favorite questions to ask most of the time to my guests, because it's about my favorite word, curiosity. So I want to know, it's a two-part question. Number one, do you think curiosity is innate or learned? And second part, what are you most curious about these days? I think it can be learned, but I think uh, most people are born with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, But if you don't have it, you can absolutely learn how to be a better listener and more curious. Um, right now I am most curious about time management Mm -hmm. and what that looks like for my clients. And I'm diving deep on, um, time management, calendar blocking, scheduling, Mm -hmm. and I have about six different books I'm learning from right Mm -hmm. now. Any of them that have been around for a long time? Because I used to do that. And then I fell off the wagon. Um, I love David Allen getting things done um, because I'm a big list maker, whether you do it digitally or on paper. And then I love Cal Newport, um, Mm -hmm. digital minimalism. Um, And I also love Dr. Ben Hardy, uh, who talks about 10X being easier than 2X. I, I love Michael Hyatt's planner system, um, which is just a way of planning your day. And my coach, Dan Henry, uh, he teaches a daily kind of journaling thing that's personal and business. And I'm kind of just seeing how I can incorporate all of that into one system. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you for that. And last question. Um, just your maybe favorite or best or what comes to mind piece of advice for my listeners who are definitely your audience and uh, uh, what you would give them as their, your favorite tip of the day for business. Uh, not to think that you need anything else other than yourself to help somebody else and have them pay you for that help or that guidance. So uh, letting go of the belief that you need, you know, a program and a website and, you know, all of those things, they're just assets. People will pay you for this and to remember that. I love it. That's a great place to stop. Thank you so much. And I'm going to re-listen to this myself. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you for um, being here. And thank you to my audience for listening. And I would ask, oh, one last thing, where can they find you? SuzanneTaylorKing.com. And there's a resource tab right in the menu bar. There's actually three full coaching courses delivered by email 
right there on that page. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you again. And thank you to my audience for being here. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know, I love to meet new people. So I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.